You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, it's a it's a great day in terms of technology. Sorry about the little pause there. Um, but it is a good Friday. We're going to search the scriptures today in the Lutheran Witness. And joining us today is Pastor uh, Wesley Odom from Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas. Pastor Odom, thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Yeah, glad I could make it. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Pastor Odom, you are the the, uh, the writer of the Bible study, uh, searching the scriptures in this month's issue of The Lutheran Witness. Give us a, a heads up. with the, the, the title this month is Me, an Apologist, with lots of question marks. Um, where are we headed in our study this month? <laughs> yeah, my hope was to... Um, invite people to consider themselves their daily vocations as someone who does the work of an apologist, that is, who defends the Christian faith, explains the Christian faith, uh, where the Lord has placed them in their daily lives. It might be a big word that we don't think of or use very often, uh, but it is a task that we engage in regularly. So what text are we going to look at this morning in searching the scriptures? Uh, <laughs> pretty much every book from the Old Testament and the New Testament. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I should say as kind of a preface, my, my thought with choosing some of these texts was to take what I see as three of the most commonly used passages uh, from the scriptures in apologetic works. Um, so for example, this passage from Psalm 19 in question three, Psalm 19, verse one, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. Also to take this passage from first Peter chapter three, that uh, we are to be always prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within us. And this long, beautiful passage from first Corinthians 15, that speaks of the truth, the reality of Christ's resurrection from the dead, and expand a little bit on those three passages, uh, maybe come at them from a little bit of a different perspective than I imagine some of the articles in the issue uh, will take. So uh, if we go into question one here uh, regarding this passage from well, yeah, the last uh, quarter of Job. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, do, do, should we read the question or uh, just kind of dive in here? Let's take a look at the question. What's the, the first question here in, uh, in the article this month is, in the Old Testament, God often acts as an apologist on his own behalf. And, and read Job 38 through 41. What does God appeal to in defending the truth that he is the only one? Uh, he is the one and only God. All right, let's dig in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, certainly, uh, as you're sitting around your home in uh, quarantine, take the time to read uh, all of these wonderful passages from uh, uh, the last bit of uh, of Job. There's certainly a particular context here uh, where the pre-incarnate Son of God comes and speaks to Job. Uh, but I thought it was interesting to use this as an example of how God appeals to his own mighty works in creation, right? So a bit of a tip of the hat to the Psalm 19, one passage, 
the heavens declare the glory of God. Where might we look elsewhere in the scriptures to see uh, God uh, making a bit of an appeal to his own might and power uh, as a uh, kind of a, a first proof that he alone is God. So here in Job 38, for example, uh, the beginning of this long discourse that the Lord has with Job uh, in verse four, for example, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Right. Uh, skipping down to verse eight or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling band prescribes limits for the seas Skipping down to verse 12, the Lord is the one who commands the morning since your days begin. Um, uh, even into, uh, if we want to skip on to chapter 40, for example, uh, in verse 15 of chapter 40, the Lord says, Behold behemoth, right, which I made as I made you. Right? So maybe reminding us a bit of the first article of the creed even, right? Uh, that the Lord makes the heavens and the earth, and he creates even me. Right? So who is the Lord? He is the one who has made the heavens and the earth. He has made me. Uh, this is seen clearly in the heavens, which declare the glory of God. We could certainly go other places in the scriptures, the plagues in Egypt. Right? One of the purposes that the Lord uh, intends to... Um, uh, bring about is that Pharaoh and the Egyptians would know that he alone is the true God through these mighty acts, the plagues and the exodus. Yeah, there's all these, all of this, uh, this nature and creation, uh, all these mighty works of the Lord that he points to. But then what, what is jo uh, Job's response then in chapter 42? Yeah, this is great. Uh, <laughs> So taking a bit of a, um, a turn here, Job responds, uh, though certainly taking into account that there's a particular context which Job is responding to the Lord in, uh, the, the whole book of uh, Job here. But my hope was that people would see Job's humility, right? Uh, the humility of Job in chapter 42. Uh, Job answers the Lord in verse 1 and says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things that are too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And then down even to verse 6, therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, again, certainly Job, uh, his position here is in this particular context of all of the horrific things that have happened to him physically, uh, his knuckle-headed friends coming to him and speaking uh, devious words to him, and his own uh, his own sinful thoughts about himself. But but what I hope uh, that people can take from Job's position here is a position of uh, of humility that we ought not think in the work of. Uh, in the work of an apologist or defending the Christian faith, we ought not think too highly of ourselves, right? That it is God's word that does the work, right? We don't want to um, uh, have any any kind of false guilt 
right? If I would have just said something in the right way, if I would have just said something at the right time, then I would have been able to convince this person, turn their heart. No, let us take a bit of Job's humility uh, in hearing the word of the Lord in the last uh, you know, chunk of Job here, uh, and be humble with our brother in Christ, Job, and thank God, let us thank God that it is his word that has the power to turn the hearts of men and not our word, uh, because boy, there are certainly endless sleepless nights if we depend on our own wit and understanding to change the hearts of men. And that really does make a difference when it comes to uh, us being uh, apologists and witnesses as well. If, if this is a key mm -hmm. part, mm -hmm. uh, a, a key part of everyone as witness is emphasizing that, that God is the one who does the work in this. And it, it, just as you pointed out that it's taking off the, the unnecessary guilt and, and, and not even real. I mean, it's, it's not even true. Yeah, <laughs> that, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar to this guilt that people have, you know, when they're going through difficult times in their lives and they think, well, you know, I've just got to smile and act like everything's okay because that's the way a Christian acts. Well, no, you know, that's a false guilt uh, that we, we create for ourselves. The Lord certainly doesn't intend that for us. Neither does he intend for us to, uh, you know, uh, uh, suffer with anxious thoughts, wondering uh, if I would have just known one more uh, response to this person I was speaking to, uh, then I would have been able to convince them. You're absolutely right. So the next question, question number three in this month's study, how does this relate to Psalm 19, verse 1, and what situations could this be useful for you, the apologist? Yeah, so kind of a more of a thematic verse for these first uh, three questions here. But the, the apologist can certainly, um, <laughs> you can be confident that the heavens do actually declare the glory of God. The skies above do actually proclaim his handiwork. Even if all of the world says that they don't, they actually do, right? Uh, and kind of looking a little bit uh, maybe too far ahead, I guess, in the Bible study here, but we can actually know things. Things actually do uh, happen in creation and, and in history that we can know quite a bit about. And it is a comforting thing and an encouraging thing to know that uh, even though the world might tell us that no, 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 uh, when you look up into the heavens, you're seeing just uh, randomness or something like that. No, uh, God himself uh, tells us that uh, the skies, the heavens declare his glory, uh, contrary to the wisdom of man, which is really nothing but foolishness. We are searching the scriptures with uh, Pastor Wesley Odom from beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas. It's in the April issue of the Lutheran Witness. Hopefully you've gotten your copy by now and uh, checking it out. It's uh, in the near the back. What is this on page 25 in the April issue of the Lutheran Witness? And uh, we've got more to study in the second half. Stick around. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
Hi, I'm Gary Duncan, the Executive Director of KFUO Radio. We are all impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. All of the KFUO staff is practicing social distancing by working from home offices and temporary home studios. Our promise to you is that we will continue to bring you the word of Christ in our programming and worship services, the clear message that we've been proclaiming since 1924. During this worldwide pandemic, we will continue to share the comfort of Scripture. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. That's from Psalm 46, 1. Thank you for listening and supporting KFUO Radio. And rest assured that when you turn on the radio, click on our live stream, or download your favorite podcast, we will be here proclaiming Christ for you anytime, anywhere. KFUO.org. Friday afternoon on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Joy Pullman about major cultural changes the coronavirus should make happen. It's This Week in Pop Christianity with Chris Rosebro, and we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Listen and vote in advance at Facebook.com slash Issues ETC. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are searching the scriptures in the April issue of The Lutheran Witness with Pastor Wesley Odom of beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas. And I can tell it was already digging into the word there. Uh, <laughs> we are in, uh, Pastor, are we ready to go on to question number four of this month's Bible study? Let's do it. All right. We can know much about God from his creation and providence. However, creation does not reveal to us anything of Jesus, the Son of God, and his death for us. Where must, we, where must we turn for this? What are the three basic Bible passages you might turn to? All right, so we're talking about, is this natural revelation and special revelation? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we can certainly know uh, volumes about uh, God uh, from creation. Uh, but what do we know of his love and compassion for man uh, his unending mercy for us and his desire to save us from our sin. Well, uh, you don't get that from a sunset, right? You don't get that from uh, skipping church and fishing on Sunday morning or something like that, right? Uh, we go to his uh, his revealed uh, will in the scriptures. And again, where could we turn? A million different places uh, to, to learn who Jesus of Nazareth is is uh, what he has done to save us from our sin. Uh, we can look back uh, to the, the first uh, gospel promise there in the garden of the seed of the woman who would come to crush the head of the serpent uh, and see that fulfilled in, in Emmanuel, God with us, that, that baby in the manger there. Uh, and John the Baptist pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Christ, just this past Sunday, uh, from John 8, uh, telling those who were uh, arguing with him that before Abraham was, I am, right, claiming for himself the divine name. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and this Word uh, took on flesh and dwelt among us, right? Even the demons know who this 
is. Right? So there are innumerable places in the scriptures. Uh, so I'm, I'm inviting the the people to you know choose maybe some of their own uh, beloved passages that would tell them um, who this Jesus is and what he has done to save them from their sins. Mm-hmm. And knowing these passages uh, takes some, you know, digging through scripture, going to Bible study, asking questions. So uh, moving on to, to question five, contrary to popular opinion from the beginning, Christians have invited and encouraged investigation and inquiry. How might 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 34 be useful in parrying claims to the contrary? And not going to lie, I had to Google what parrying means. <laughs> Oh, okay. You need to watch more Summer Olympics. More, more fencing. Oh, I love Summer Olympics. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. There'll be next year, not this year. Yeah. I know, so I, I, I do think there is there is this impression that uh, that the Christian faith is. Um, I don't know where this comes from either. That it's this kind of secretive thing. You can't ask questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even from within from within the church it, itself, I, there's this kind of position as well. But that it just is is not been that way from the beginning. Even Jesus himself appeals to his own public uh, preaching and teaching. I, I said nothing in secret, right? But here in First Corinthians 15, yes, another long passage. I apologize, uh, Pastor mm-hmm. Askins, uh, the managing editor, has uh, taught me well to edit in future uh, Bible studies. So. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my, the, the two things that I kind of want to, to, to help people see here is uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 14, for example. This would be the place to focus. Paul says, if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Uh, and even worse, he'll say in the next verse, uh, we misrepresent God, right? We turn God into a liar. And, and so what Paul is, is saying here among other things, is if you produce the bones, everything falls apart. Ask your questions, right? Uh, it, it is not as if when Jesus died and was put into the tomb, and then we simply said that he raised from the dead, and you just have to trust us. No, if you go back uh, to the beginning of chapter 15 here in 1 Corinthians, uh, you remember Paul says, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And then to more than 500 brothers at one time. And most of these guys are still alive. So if you don't believe me, you can go ask them, right? We actually did see this guy who we lived with, uh, in the case of the 12 and Cephas, for years after he was dead, risen from the dead. Come and ask us. Let us, uh, let us reason together, perhaps, something like that. So question number six, how might this comfort and embolden you as you consider defending the faith? Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's nothing to hide here, right? There, there's no uh, secret knowledge that God zaps into our brains and hearts from heaven. <laughs> uh, everything is laid out for us in his holy word. He is so generous uh, with the way that he has revealed his will towards sinful man throughout the millennia. Just open the scriptures, dig in move on from the milk and uh, uh, cut into the filet, right? Uh, everything is there for you. You you can actually know things. This is somehow the, the contrary idea is, 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 is something like a virtue 
in our day. Oh, I went to this church and the pastor uh, said X, Y, Z. And, and he said, ah, you know, who, who really knows? I don't know. And that, that's, that's uh, put, put forth as kind of this great positive experience. Well, no, it's not. You, you can actually know all kinds of things, right? You can actually be confident uh, that Christ did raise from the dead uh, and has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. Uh, the Christian faith is based on a historical event, uh, not just the, uh, the movements of our emotions or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that does bring us great hope, uh, especially in, in times of, of trouble, that we do have something solid to go back to, uh, and we can point to it in Scripture if we know where these passages are. So then, moving on to our last question, number seven, apologists often cite 1 Peter 3.15, flip back to 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1. who is God through Peter writing to, and what encouragement is found here for you? Yeah, so Peter, um, there's this great and beautiful passage here in uh, chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And then here kind of the, the main thing we're focusing on. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so forth and so on. And, and I wanted to help people see that you flip back a couple of chapters, and Peter is talking uh, not only to pastors, not only to uh, the hosts of the coffee hour. He's not only talking <laughs> to seminary seminary professors. He's talking to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, right? He is talking to all Christians. Uh, this is not only the task for the pastor, uh, for those who have uh, had some sort of formal uh, education or something like that in this in this field, all Christians are given this high and holy, joyful duty uh, of defending the faith, giving it offense for the hope. It's hope, right? It's joyful stuff mm -hmm. here. Uh, e even in this this time of anxiety, uh, worried thoughts all the time, as we're kind of locked behind uh, closed doors for the you know foreseeable days ahead, we're still living in the hope. Uh, of the Son of God dying for our sins and being raised from the dead for our justification, the first fruits, right, uh, of which we will follow. And this language in First Peter one that you're pointing to, pointing us to, First Peter chapter one verse one, is some yeah. of the same language that brings us back to God is the one doing the work here again. The, the first phrase to those who are elect elect that mm -hmm. implies that god is the one who's doing the choosing here god is the one who's doing the work he's the one driving the verbs yeah <laughs> yeah the yeah the yeah the election from eternity is justification by grace through faith alone par excellence right a, a beautifully comforting doctrine uh of the christian church absolutely so to, to ask the second part of your question here, question number seven, what encouragement is found here for you? Um, what encouragement do we have from this, from this text? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like the passage from Psalm 19, uh, the heavens actually do declare the glories of God, contrary to the wisdom of the world. Uh, and uh, this thought from first Corinthians 15, we can actually invite inquiry and investigation into the Christian faith. A similar thought here in 1 
Peter uh, chapter three, uh, and that is that you can do it, right? <laughs> the Lord's word, again, is like you just said, Andy, it is the thing that is powerful. It is the thing that can convert the hearts of men. I mean, it converted your own heart, right? Amen. Uh, it, can con <laughs> it, it can convert the hearts uh, of all unbelievers, and we know that the Lord uh, does not want to see the death of the sinner, right? But that they, that they repent and turn and believe in him, right? So we can take this joyful task, a task that is joyful, though it might seem perhaps uh, as we take the maybe the first or second step into it, uh, maybe a little bit daunting, right? Uh, but you can do it. The Lord himself is the one who works uh, uh, with us and through us to do this task in, in those places he has put us in our daily lives. Amen. Amen. Our guest today, Pastor Wesley Odom of Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Arlington, Texas, author of uh, Searching the Scriptures this month in the April issue. And you'll be back next month, too. Is that right, Pastor Odom? That's right. All right. Very good. So we'll study again with you in about a month. Uh, we'll get into Searching the Scriptures in the May issue of The Lutheran Witness. Uh, and you can find this and uh, other Lutheran Witness-related programs here on KFUO at kfuo.org slash witness. Uh, it has just, it, it's been a delight. And I have to also admit that I, too, also um, had to Google uh, a word in our study today. Uh, I had to look. Oh, come for, on, guys! Come on. I, I had to look up. Uh, I think it was one of the constellations that uh, one of the constellations that came up in the text today. I think it was Pleiades. I had to look that up. So, thank you so much, Pastor Odom. Have a great weekend. God bless you. You as well. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the coffee hour today. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs> The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.